It is, it is where the magic happens, Ad, but we were we're playing Shovel Knight this week and I was going to jump in and play play some Shovel Knight the other day and I said to Lise, guess what I'm going to do tonight? And she was like, drink beer and masturbate and eat cheese strings? She knows you so well. <laughs> I was like, it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, that escalated quickly. I was like, where, where did the, 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 why the cheese strings, man? <laughs> is that your go-to post? Post masturbation meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. we've descended yeah, into yeah. farce already, Tom. It's like the the hierarchy, is it? Drink beer, masturbate, eat cheese strings. <laughs> stage stage four, profit. Uh, so speaking of drinking, what are you drinking? Oh, I. So, okay. Hold on, I have an array of. I thought you were going to say I have an erection then. Better get the. Uh, the fucking cheese strings out. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought. I was looking for a shovel themed ale. <laughs> and I, <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't. I couldn't find one. But I did find a beer called. <laughs> this is a good name. <laughs> Jemima, J- Jemima's pitchfork. Oh, nice. Fucking hell. Uh. But then I made a terrible mistake and I drank it last night. Oh, uh, right. Okay. So what? today I have a, a local brewery, Monty's. I have a Hilltop Golden Honey Ale. Very nice. So, uh, yeah. Sounds good to I, me. I look on the back for the description. There's no bullshit. It says beer. <laughs> Straight to the point. I like it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. On the other side, a golden ale with a hint of honey sweetness. Oh, there we a go. Great pint. So there you go. It's it's Hilltop Honey is produced in Newtown, which is my my hometown. And Monty's is in Montgomery. So it a is. local brew. Nice. What about you? What about you, buddy? I've got a something called a Siren Lumina. So another pretentious session IPA. I can't even read what it says. Lumina is are you, our... are you still paying like a fortune every month? <laughs> yeah, because I can't be bothered to phone him still. <laughs> you don't want it's not you can't be bothered. You're you're scared that he'll like tell you you've broken his friendship or something. <laughs> yeah, you became best friends in half an hour. You're stronger willed than me, so I'll probably like sign up for more. Uh <laughs> anyway, uh welcome to the A Bit Shit Show. Uh we are talking about Shovel Night, as Tom said this week. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, we uh, have lots of things going on at Happy Hour Gaming at the moment. So check us out at happyhourgaming.net and um, check out all of the things that are going on for us. Um, we've started a Patreon as well. We have started a Patreon at patreon.com slash happyhourgaming. And on the subject of that, Adam, these beers were bought to us tonight by Matt Turner. Thank you very much, Matt. It's deeply appreciated, and they are going down very well. So, if you want to fly over to Patreon and buy us a beer that keeps the uh, keeps the lights off and the mics on, nice. Do because we can't do this show without beer, and you know, it's a big investment drinking this much. <laughs> it is. It's you know, someone's got to do it, but you know, yeah. Thank you very much for. Uh... We, we do this for you guys. <laughs> 
thanks for helping us get drunk. Um, so, yeah, Shovel Knight then, man. <laughs> Let's talk about the game. Um, Shovel Knight is one of the best fucking games ever made, period, history, ever done. Well, I hadn't played it until you decided that this was one we were going to cover on the show. Um, oh, my God, I'm glad you did, because I agree, it's fucking amazing. Uh, tell us about the the background to this game. What What is Shovel Knight and, and how is it made? It is, it is made with computers. <laughs> computers and men who know about computers. Men in white coats. <laughs> uh, Shovel Knight was a Kickstarter-launched okay. game um, made by Yacht Club Games, and these guys basically all quit their day job and and, and made this on the back of uh, the Kickstarter pledge. It raised about 300 grand or something. So although it was a, a hell of a lot for an 8-bit indie game, not as much as you've seen things raised since. But yeah, it's essentially... There's the actual story of the development is... I mean, they did... I think they ran out of money and had to work for free at the end of it. And it was kind of a tumultuous time. But the... It's the story post-release that's the most fascinating because how they they pledged all these stretch goals for Kickstarter, and the game was only effectively finished last year. It's seven years from launch to completion. Wow! Now the section we've played, which is now called Shovel of Hope, <laughs> was the original Shovel Knight campaign. That was what was released in 2014 when the game came out. The stretch goals on Kickstarter were additional campaigns, so we now have the Spectre Knight campaign, the Plague Knight. Uh, most recently, Treasure Knight, and there's also one other that I can't remember. Uh, there's also now a Shovel Knight Showdown, which is like a Smash Bros. style game mode. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff. So if, if, if you go and pick up the game now, you're getting a huge amount of content. But what was launched in 2014 was the mode that we campaign that we played through. Yeah. And what a campaign it is. Um I'm as you say. I've I've gone out and bought the the twenty pound pack with absolutely everything in it. So I'm well stoked to go and play some other stuff after I've done this. Um, but yeah, you you get a lot a lot of bang for your buck in this. And the base game itself is actually insanely you know big in terms of content as well. So uh, let me tell you about the story and the background to to what's going on in Shovel Knight's lore. Um, so prior to the game, adventurers Shovel Knight and Shield Knight journeyed across the world alongside one another. But while exploring the Tower of Fate, a cursed amulet takes over Shield Knight and leaves Shovel Knight stranded outside of the sealed tower. Grieving for his beloved, Shovel Knight gives up adventuring and goes into a self-imposed exile. It's deep, man. It's a, <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a, it's a good story behind it. Um Grieving for his beloved, he goes into exile, and then during his absence, a powerful being known as the Enchantress rises to power. So it's that classic sort of uh, big enemy comes into power, and Shovel Knight has to come back and save the land. So, um, and Shovel Knight, just Shovel Knight, just for reference, is basically Django Fett with horns. Yep. Some people and speculated shovel. he might be a fish under that helmet because he's quite small. Oh yeah, and the the, the links with the Triple King and. Mm-hmm. which we'll come on to a little bit later but um yeah so he goes back to um to try and sort of bring the land out of the control of the enchantress so um he along this journey eventually uh, essentially meets um a number of interesting characters which we'll talk about a little bit later um 
but he's got to basically make his way through the members of the Order of No Quarter, which is a brilliant name for a, a troop of knights. It's great, isn't it? This game has some brilliant um, little comedy moments, doesn't it? Well, there's some great references, like when you you meet the Black Knight, and there's like Monty Python references, and <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't remember what he says. What does he say when you meet the Black Knight? Oh, God, uh, I'd have to dig it out, but it's basically... Yeah, I'll, I'll look now, but you carry on. It parallels that scene in Monty Python really well. But um, So there's eight members of this order. So you've got the King Knight, Spectre Knight, Treasure Knight, Mole Knight, Plague Knight, Polar, Propeller, and Tinker Knight. Um, so those are the eight foes that you will primarily be facing off, off against in your journey to the Enchantress. Um, and the, the Black Knight features a fair few times, actually, and, and sort of becomes a little bit of an arch nemesis of, of Shovel Knight throughout the game. Um, and he sort of pops up now and then at different areas. So he's a, he's a really cool little foil for, uh, for Shovel Knight during all of this. Um, have you found his, his quote? Or... No, I can't find the quote, but it's, it's, it's definitely mirrors what is said with the Black Knights in Monty Python. It's basically like, oh, come at me, come at me, that sort of thing. And he's like, you've got an arm off, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's, it's good. It's really good. Um, so, yeah, um, the story basically is is that then. You, you're you're looking to um, to defeat the Order and get to the Enchantress in her in her tower. Um, so should we talk about, is there anything else on the story that you want to cover there? Or should we move on to talk about the gameplay then? And the design. I mean, that's the background of the story, but essentially, you do go through and you you defeat all the order of the um, of no quarter, and it's level boss fight, level boss fight, level boss fight, which we'll talk about the gameplay. And then you have these dream sequences where you have to catch Shield Knight. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Or they, they were really cool, and then you're at the the bonfire. But then it's actually revealed that the Enchantress is a dark spirit inhabiting the amulet. Uh, that cursed Shield Knight possessing her body, mm. so that you have to destroy the Enchantress to free Shield Knight. But I love the bit that you're ascending the tower and you fall like through the ceiling, and you land the order of the No Quarter all eating dinner together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the um, the Last Supper sort of thing. It's really weird. Yeah, and then yeah, there's a section there where they demand a rematch, and you have to like fight all of them. And it's insane. That is, yeah. And, and then at the end, you do um, you defeat the Enchantress with the help of Shield Knight because you sort of you, you defeat her once, and then Shield Knight comes out, and then the Enchantress comes back in like final form, and you have to defeat her with the help of Shield Knight, who uses the shield to protect you. And then Shield Knight sacrifices herself. You believe mm-hmm. at the end was Black Knight save Shovel Knight, but then you find out at the end that Shovel Knight's lying by a campfire and Shield Knight rocks up and chills out with him. And Man, Shield Knight survived. I was proper relieved when that happened as well. I was like, I've just gone through all that for fucking nothing. <laughs> so... yeah. I mean, The Last of Us 2 has got nothing on this shit. <laughs> yeah, too right. This is heavy. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially the story. So gameplay doesn't, the, story, the story does not weigh down on the quality of the gameplay. You don't need to pay any attention to any of that if you don't want to. No, this this is all about how good this and how fun this game is to play. Um, it's one of the most fun games I've played in a long, long time. Can, can I just touch on the the whimsical nature of all the people in the towns and like because they have the similar to Faxanadu the 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 towns hub world towns with people that you can interact with and buy things and upgrade from. 
and there's like a dude and he's just like oh are you shovel knight and then if you dig up the dirt next to him he just bursts into this dance like he's so happy <laughs> that, like <laughs> that you did hit it's like he just dug up some dirt and he's like oh my god it's you <laughs> yeah there's a lot like, of stuff like that in it yeah it's all really really cool yeah man this um, yeah, game gameplay is where it's at the first uh, village you enter as well, the the sort of knight that's guarding the entrance to the village, um, <laughs> he goes, Halt, there's no weapons to be brought in here. Oh, you have a shovel. Carry on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just immediately get the tone of the game from that little interaction. So, um, yeah, in terms of this game, it's got a lot of influences and um, there's a lot of parallels and things that it draws in to other games it's, it's really interesting actually so you did a bit so, of digging into this didn't you yeah i actually reviewed this game last year as well and i said what i said then is that the influences here are, they're not they're not copying by a long shot these are very much worn proudly on the sleeve of the game and it's it's a, a big love letter like to a point that if you go on yacht club's website they've got like an article and it says here's a list of all the games that copied shovel knight uh, it's like like Zelda two on the NES. <laughs> like, they they talk about it all in this like joke way, but so you've got certain things here that really stand out. You can bounce on your shovel and and drop down, which is Zelda two, or bounce like Ducktales. The whole eight bosses then are the main boss. You look at eight eyes, Mario three, Mega Man series, very much a Mega Man series that you can tackle things in certain orders. Mm, yeah, you've got campfires, which um look like golden axe but they serve the same purpose in some ways as dark souls with those reflective moments yeah and these these are not me making these up the developers have said that that this influenced them as well but you can really clearly see them look at the the color palette palette is like mega man as it's the same color palette as mega man yeah 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 Uh, the level themes like the clock tower from castlevania 3 is basically tinker knight stage you've got the uh, storybook style intros from Ninja Gaiden and Zelda Minish Cap. The items that you collect from Castlevania, like, similar to Castlevania, you would have the whip and whatever in Castlevania. And then the world map is Mario 3's world map. Like the way you navigate the world is ripped straight out of Super Mario Bros. 3. It's really cool, isn't it? The world map. I, I love that. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's a nice tribute, I think. I don't, as you say, they're not ripping it off. It's just they clearly loved these games and they're like, you know, this. It's it's a little like salute to to Mario um, and the other games that it's uh, that it's taken influence from. So yeah, I love it. Um, and as you say, uh, the developers actually mentioned that Django Fett is the inspiration or one of the inspirations for Shovel Knight, and you can really see that. Um, there's there's influences from Bioshock in one of the enemies that you come across later. Um, Tom's just holding up a uh, a model that he's got of Shovel Knight. <laughs> my, little shovel, my little Shovel Knight amiibo that sits on my desk. That is cool as fuck. Did you get that with the game, or did you just buy that? No, no, I bought that. Nice, nice. Um, and apparently, I can I can tap it onto my Switch, and it's going to do shit. Oh, really? I've never I've never used an amiibo for what they're supposed to be used for. <laughs> they're just cool. Um, so, in terms of the uh, the levels on this, so as you, as you say, you've got this Mario style map where um, you can sort of move along these paths towards different areas of the map. And um, some of it is is blocked off at the start of the game. So you have to sort of work your way through some of the levels to unlock the rest of the map. you got like a fog of war, haven't you, over? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, each stage that you go into, um, 
they drop a little introduction splash at the start of it, which is really cool. So every time uh, Shovel Knight drops in, it sort yes, of gives it's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, it's brilliant, um, and it's it'll say something like "Strike the Earth" or "Justice in Spades." Uh, and my favourite one is for chivalry. <laughs> yeah, it's just got all these sorts of little uh, quirky uh, dialogue pieces in there, and it, it's great. It's absolutely great. So the first one that, or one of the first ones you you can do in that first area is uh, you go to, well the very first level is the planes isn't it that you have to do yeah, you, see, you do that prior to arriving on the world map yes yeah, so this is your little journey so the black, back night on the planes is your mandatory first boss yeah and this is sort of an introduction to the game it, it gives you the mechanics and get lets you understand how everything works so it's kind of like it's sort of a green back pastured land you're obviously traveling towards this village and this is where you you end up and you end up finding the power of hate in the background exactly yes yeah. so it's sort of your journey towards um towards where, you, where you're trying to get to so uh so it's straight straight away for me when you look at this ad it's like this is how you remember 8-bit games looking but it's not how 8-bit games looked no exactly yeah it's, it's, it uses so it uses the methods of, of creating 8-bit games but with a far advanced far superior color palette like there's no way an nes could run this game <laughs> no but it it's so clever how they've made it look like how we, as you say, how we remember those it's, games. It's perfect nostalgia. Yeah. And it plays beautifully as well. And you get that sense of how well it plays immediately from the start of it as well. So, yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's like a perfect platformer to me. Did, interestingly, did want to hear your thoughts on this. Did you use the D-pad or did you use the joystick? D-pad. Yeah. I, I, only, I only ever use d-pads for and this is why i don't like not having a switch pro controller because mm-hmm. it doesn't have the proper d-pad and i when i saw my switch light and got a proper switch i was like oh there it is because the fucking... i so i played through shovel knight in december last year and i played through it a couple of years i've played through it three or four times today and i played it in december last year with a, the switch light and that was the best experience i'd had because on the handheld it's really great with a good d-pad and and all this kind of stuff so i it makes me want to buy a Switch Pro controller, so I can do this again. Because I would jump into this game again next week and play through it again. I was just like, "Yeah, that's that's the uh, one of the things you can immediately say about this is its replayability is huge." Like, and not because there's more content to unlock or anything. It's just that good. It's that good, and it's that addictive, and the gameplay is just that solid that you could just go back and replay the same, you know, ten, fifteen levels and be have just as much fun the fourth time around as the first. Um, so the, the the first level, the plains, is like, as we say, it's like this lush green area. You end up traveling through and meeting sort of the types of enemies that you're going to see throughout the game. You've got like the the skull, uh, the skeletons that you fight. There's a dragon in there. Um, sort of all this medieval uh, sort of <laughs> cliched style enemies that you see. So it really introduces you to everything, the mechanics. Um, you can smash through certain walls with your spade and, and find unlockables. Um, and you're picking up gems and stuff throughout the game, aren't you? Um, to yeah, he's digging up a lot of treasure and <laughs> big tre- treasure focus in this game. Yeah, hell yeah, he's he bloody loves the treasure. Um, but there's also checkpoints throughout the game, which I later learned you, you can smash um, for extra uh, gems, and that sort of adds another difficulty rate into the game as well, which is really cool. Yeah, so uh, if you break the checkpoints, you obviously lose the ability to respawn at that checkpoint because the the death loop in this game is that if you die, you drop money but then the 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 dark souls element the money floats around at your 
point of death and you can recollect it again. If you smash the checkpoints as you go through, you'll get more gold, but obviously you're going to start further back when you die. So it's, yeah, it's that risk reward thing which they bring in, which is really clever. I, ne- I never broke them. <laughs> no, but there is a, a challenge which I found out afterwards to break all checkpoints in the game. And I think, fuck that. There's no way. There's also um, a challenge to beat the game without dying. And this is, like I said, at least my third time through, maybe my fourth. And my deaths at the end was still over 100. <laughs> yeah, I bet mine were at least double that. So, yeah. So, like, people are nuts. So you get through that level and you meet the Black Knight and you have that little confrontation. Um, and that's your first boss battle. Um, yeah, he's a piece of piss, isn't it? You just shovel drop his head. Because the great thing is when you shovel drop someone, you, you bounce back up again. So you can align and get multiple hits in. Yeah, yeah, the, the design on that is brilliant, um, and he doesn't really cause you any bother. Um, it's he's just an introduction to to how that all works. So you get past him, and that's when the map opens up a little. Um, you can sort of then pick which way you go. Uh, so you go to the village first, and you meet people you, there. You, you've always got maybe two or three options, haven't you? Which I think was the same in Mario, right? You got a couple of levels that you can do. So in in Super Mario Bros. Three, there will normally be a couple of levels. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the levels are broken up here is you pick, it will tell you the name of the level, but it will also then say, you know, keep of the treasure knight. Or, mm. So you're specifically going out to take down these characters. You're like, right, I'm going after treasure knight. I'm going after plague knight. Yeah. Uh, and to do that, you can, you can aid your journey by visiting the townsfolk who will give you various upgrades, such as upgrades to your life. Um, you go and meet the Gotician, who I thought was an absolutely brilliant character. Like <laughs> he just stands there with his like clipboard. <laughs> what What do you need? So he gives you like meal tickets so you can upgrade your health and stuff. Um, and there's another character, uh, Chester, who pops up throughout the game and gives you various magic upgrades. Uh, so you get uh, what are they called? Well, uh, he tells you relics, doesn't relics? He? That's it. Yeah. And each each relic, you can switch in and out. You have a, a magic counter, and using a relic uses some of your magic. It's very Castlevania. Mm. So you can pick in, oh, I've got the, you know, the you can, and you can pick up boss weapons as well, which is very Mega Man. So you are not, unlike Mega Man, you're not required to, or you don't seem to have much of a benefit, or not such a profound benefit on certain bosses by defeating other bosses first. But there are optional levels in the game where you are required to have unlocked certain um, relics, and one of them being like Propeller Knight's sword dagger that will allow you to fly forward across larger gaps and things like that. So there's there's some of that in there of going back to revisit older parts of the game and unlocking secrets and shortcuts by using those relics you get later on. Yeah, it's a really cool mechanic. So you can you can visit the townsfolk at any point to uh, to go and upgrade your stuff using the gold that you've collected during your your travels. Um, did you fight Mr. Did you fight Mr. Hat? Yeah, I fought all the uh, the the optional bosses. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only did a couple. I did. Is it Baz? <laughs> Baz is hilarious because he's like this. <laughs> he's, he's this failed uh, knight who wants to be part of the order of um, no quarter, and he's just like he. He just can't do it. He's just not good enough to make the order. So he's just really angry. And he's just like, I want to I want to be a nightman. And he's just, yeah. yeah. He's quite uh, hard to beat, then actually. You, then you've got the other guy. He's like, he collects hats and he, want, he decides he wants your helmet. <laughs> yeah. So these sorts of things happen throughout the game. But then, then, when you beat him, then when you beat him, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have tried to take your helmet. And that fucks off. Like, <laughs> they all have these redemption moments when you beat them. They're like, ah, oh, well... 
sorry about that, but you know, if a knight crosses a path on a road, we have to fight. So <laughs> it's just what's done. Um, so we go to Pride More Keep next. Uh, that's that's where I started. Um, and this is a big castle area, traditional um, sort of yellow brick castle uh, that you make your way up and through to get towards the uh, King Knight who has usurped the rightful king of that castle. Um, so King Knight is one of my favorite characters in this game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, especially when Shovel Knight says to him, you are naught but a decadent dandy. <laughs> yes. He texted me that actually at the time. It's brilliant. Yeah. Because King Knight doesn't really fight you. He's more interested in like summoning celebrations. and, <laughs> yeah. and Like he'll pause the fight whilst you're just hitting him and like waving the trumpets and the banners. And, and he's just all about himself. He's so pompous and kind of... Like over the top. So you end up fighting him in his throne room, don't you? And it's like this is big fanfare that comes on screen that drops all these confetti items down. Yeah, but he, it does that like halfway through. He'll stop the fight and like call it out, but you can still keep hitting him. What are you doing? You're like, what are you doing? Get your priorities straight. He's so, yeah. a really easy boss as well, so I like that. It's a good introduction to to the levels. Um, but this is a really cool uh, place, Pride Monkey, as well, because there's like chandeliers that fall and stuff. You have to jump across to find secrets and. Yeah, I, I like it as a as a level. Aesthetically, it's really nice. Um, and I've got to say, actually, these bosses, uh, they're all, without exception, fantastic. Yeah, the, the, each one is different as well. Each one has their own, um, obviously, their own special power and their own and I, I, I'm just looking through them now, and I'm like, oh, that's my favourite. No, that's my favourite. No, that's my favourite. And I, I do have one standout favourite, but we'll get to... Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. Um, so once you've beaten him, then obviously that's... Uh, that's that done, and you next head over to, or that I did anyway, the the, the Lich Yards. Yeah, well, you have to beat these two before the first Fog of War moves, which then opens up your next couple of choices. Yeah, so uh, the Lich Yard is the home of the Spectre Knight. Um, and he's like this levitating, robed figure with a scythe that looks intimidating as fuck. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, I thought it was one of the harder bosses for me, actually. The Lich Knight, uh, the, the Spectre Knight. Um, He's one of those that once you get into that routine of knowing where to stand and when to attack, it's very, very easy. Mm, but yeah. he does, he, he utilizes a lot of the screen. He does. It's sometimes quite hard to avoid his uh, propeller blade, um, or whatever it is, his scythe, sorry. Uh, his zone, his, the, the Lich uh, Yard is kind of like this sort of red bricked cavern that you sort of drop down deeper and deeper into before you find him. It's really cool. Um, it's a brilliant aesthetic. It's lit up by these sort of uh, lanterns. Um, and and you, that leads to you getting blackout sections. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> which are really hard as well. Um, and, and this really does tie into the Mega Man comparison where the bosses dictate the themes of the levels. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, like he—he he sort of there's flashes of lightning where you can see what's happening, but then when it all goes black, all of the black parts of the screen, it's—it's it's just impossible to see what's there. So, it's great, absolutely brilliant level. Um, yeah, so the, the boss fight at the end is—is, is, uh, I find it tough, but you, yeah, you can learn the patterns. So, um, I, I mean, thought, I've done it a whole bunch of times now as well. So, yeah, I guess once you've done that, you know how to beat him. But um, I found it a bit of a challenge to start with. He, um, I think the design on this boss is really cool. Like he's, he looks awesome. He's like this floating 
Spectre with a massive red scythe. It's uh, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, so, he's, he's an intimidating dude. Then once you've beaten him, as you say, the uh, the sh- the fog lifts and you can move on through the map. Um, and you come to an area where you can fight either the Mole Knight or the Treasure Knight in either the Lost City or the Iron Whale. Um, what are your thoughts on these two, Tom? So I think that the Mole Knight was, I love the design of the Mole Knight. The boss fight itself is not as good. But just looking at the level, like because the Mole Knight is underground and you're obviously digging, this then really plays on the fact there's a lot more destructible earth, there's a lot more exploration by digging to be done and there's it's like a lava level as well isn't it mm-hmm. so one of the really cool features so although, is although you have a health meter you just saying they do have a health meter touching lava or spikes is an instant kill yeah yeah and until you like um well with spikes until you have the ability to to uh phase onto those it's it's really difficult um but in this level you can use like the 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 jelly type stuff that drops from the sky as well to like turn the lava oh, yeah, into so jelly you, that's it, yeah. You get green blobs that drop, and then they'll turn any red surface green temporarily and become really bouncy. And that gives a cool dynamic to the levels because you like you you fling these blobs with your sh- your shovel onto the lava, and then be able to jump onto it. So it's like um, there's a bit of variety to how you work your way through the levels. Um, so I thought it was really cool, actually. Uh, as you say, boss fight on this boss one. Boss fight himself is a little. I mean, these are all excellent boss fights, but this is just a little less interesting to me. Well, he kind of just flies back and forth across the screen, doesn't he? Um, and then he'll sort of dig some tunnels and some lava will shoot out of these tunnels. Um, it's it's quite easy to read. And once you get the, the pattern, it's, it's fairly simple to beat. It's um, certainly one of the easier bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, aesthetically beautiful looking level. Platforming is great on this level. Boss, yeah, slightly easier. Um, the Iron Whale, the Treasure Knight. So, so typically, underwater levels in games can fuck off. Yeah, you've said this before, Tom. Um, oh, fuck that shit. Like, I don't appreciate when a game uh, falls on, like, you learn how a game plays and then they generate artificial difficulty by reducing the ability of the player or or inhabiting your your movement or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just find that frustrating because I don't feel like I'm not getting through a section because I couldn't get through it. I'm like, oh, you've made the floor slippy with ice or just change the mechanics. This doesn't quite do it. This works okay. It does, yeah. I mean, I did get frustrated a couple of times because there's some sections that you need to jump and there's spikes on the roof um, and there's platforms which sort of, once you land on them, they go flying upwards um, mm-hmm. into the spike. So it's kind of like you have to time it. And there's, there's obviously a, quite a bit of technique to it. Um, so it took, took a, a bit longer for me to master, actually. Uh, and there's also these fuckers that fly in that have got like some sort of squid on their head that fire blobs at you, knock you off the platform. So it's like, yeah, this level's it's really good, but it can be a bit frustrating. Um, but the boss himself... So, yeah, he's easy, actually, but he's basically a big daddy from Bioshock. Yeah. Once you understand what his moves are, he's very simple. So he's got this like anchor that he fires out of his uh, arm. He's got like a cannon attached to his arm and he sort of he'll either jump up to the top of the screen. He'll throw out a chest and he gets it pulls you into it. And yeah, it's relatively simple. He looks really cool, doesn't it? This this boss. 
Yeah, he does. And also, I find this playthrough a lot easier because when I, the last two times I beat the game, I actually never realized you could get health potions from the Triple King. <laughs> Did you not? Okay. So, so I beat it twice without any health potions. Nice. Fair so I, um, Well, it's completely doable. You just have to learn it. But I kind of felt like I was cheating a bit once I got them. Because it's not quite so straightforward. You have to go and buy the chalice and then... Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the Triple King in a bit because ultimately one of the best characters in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Um, so but, so I, I find this these a little bit like now I have the, the potions. Yeah. Because there was always that interplay when I got to the boss. There was always a checkpoint right before the boss. Mm-hmm. So you always start the boss fight with full health. And there's always that thing of looking at your health, looking at the boss's health and being like, right, who's winning? Who's winning? If (laughs) you can just refill halfway through, it's like, oh. True. Yeah, I suppose it does take it away a little bit. But um, I think as a new player, it's hard enough anyway. So having that just helps. You can always choose not to do it. Um, Yeah, it took me a long time to beat the first time, I remember. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, You then come along uh, a little bit further on the map then um, and you can get to the next town. Um, and this is where you can unlock uh, some new gear so you can get upgrades to your shovel. <laughs> and I spent all my money on the gold armor, which doesn't do anything apart from it makes you sparkle. <laughs> which is brilliant. <laughs> There's so much stuff like that in this game. It's like, oh, it looks you real nice. So, you, you, your jump is replaced with a somersault as well. Oh, it's totally worth it then. <laughs> but it, doesn't give you, it doesn't give you any of the bonuses that the other upgradable armors give you. It's just like... It's the most expensive one by a by a mile as well. Yeah, I mean, through my playthrough, as soon as I got to this area, I bought the red armor because um, that halves the amount of money that you lose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the the one to normally go for, yeah. Uh, so I spent the rest of the game in that. Um, so there's there's various other armors which do like I, I didn't buy them, but they do other other things. So like you can become more powerful, but a cost a detriment to your your uh, magic, I think. Um, yeah, you can also yeah, that's why I didn't do it. And you can you can upgrade your shovel at this point. You can also hitch a ride back to the first hand via catapult. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's amazing, isn't it? It's like you, <laughs> there's a catapult on the roof of this uh, this area, and it just flings you back over the over the entire map. It's equivalent to the um, the sewers in in Mario, basically. Yeah, the warp pipes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on. The next couple of levels you can face are brilliant. Um, one of my favourites, actually, this one, the Explodatorium, <laughs> which is the lair of the Plague Knight. The Plague Knight's absolutely cool as fuck. It's awesome. He's like this uh, conjurer slash sort of... Um, he's he's an, al- an alchemist. Alchemist, yeah, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so, like, throughout the level, there's these barrels that explode. There's, like, these flying creatures that drop these exploding vials on you um there's infected rats everywhere it's just <laughs> it's absolutely mental this level um, yeah it's really like you've got all the really bright colored potions everywhere and so the backdrop and, is is all green isn't it yeah and then everything that he does is like purple brightly colored purple um, the design of the plague knight he's in this like robe and has a staff and then he's wearing the, the plague doctor bird mask Yep, that's it. So he's got like a really distinctive look and like one of the one of the iconic characters from the game. Absolutely. Partway through the level as well, you end up in this sort of neon uh, like uh, test tube 
science beaker area. It's absolutely insane. You've got these barrels, these purple barrels that throw you up in the air with their lids. Um, and you have to sort yeah, of yeah, which reminded me of Oil Ocean Zone from Sonic Two. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, it's quite so... it's quite a tough level. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of the best designed on the game. I think possibly my favourite as well. I think outside of Shovel Knight, he's possibly the most recognisable character. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, who who else have we got that would be that would take that? I know. I really think outside of Shovel Knight, this is the the coolest design. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Um, one thing I remember as well is that you <laughs> your health packs on this are actually uh, compiled of you can pick up chickens from like platters. That's a nice little nod to yeah. like Street Suits of Rage. Um, so yeah, uh, Plague Knight as a boss. What does he do, Tom? He so Plague Knight, um, I'm trying to remember, he lobs bombs at you and jumps around on the, these beakery test tube things again. Plague Knight's like one of the middling difficulty bosses. Yeah, I think you can easily avoid his attacks. Um, and you, you just have to, with all these bosses, you have to be super aggro on them mm-hmm. and just go at them. And nine times out of ten, it's like bounce on their head as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find on this if you've got if you've got some projectiles, it's like good to sling a few. Yeah, Uh, you know that green, especially when you're playing like propeller night or someone later on. Yeah, you need it later on, I think. And you know that green ball that sort of bounces across the screen a few times that that you end up picking up. Yeah, see, I typically only buy one. Um, I typically only buy the red shooty ball. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm like, and then I buy meal tickets and upgrade my magic. Nice. Okay. Fair dues. I, I, I tend to work on like, it's the same with any game. If there's an option of a passive upgrade, like something that stays permanent rather than buying a new skill or an ability. So something like improving a base stat, I always go down that route because I feel like it's a more permanent investment than like, if I buy, if I spend 2000 on one um, relic, and then I spend 2000 on another, well, I'm always like, well, I'm only using one of them at a time. Whereas if I invest it into health, it's always there. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And I did the same with the health. I think I just sacrificed a little bit of the magic to pick up all of the um, all of the relics. So you can farm for gold. Like you can go back and replay levels. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can you can go back if you play planes. You'll pick up about four and a half thousand gold from that in a playthrough. Okay. Um, and it takes like, ten minutes or something, five minutes. So if you are struggling, you can go back and pick up a couple of relics from one playthrough of, of the first level again. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it allows you that that freedom to to sort of do doesn't, that. Doesn't let you smash the checkpoints if you've already beat it once. Oh, is this? I wondered why I couldn't smash them. Okay. Yeah, they get that's the, interesting. The, the metal armor around them. Ah, okay, okay. Because I was going to try and do that playthrough without. But uh, yeah, we'll see. No, you've got you've got to do it on a fresh save file. Shit. Okay. Fair dues. Um, I will move on and talk about the. Um, the Clockwork Tower next, because this level's absolutely superb. So um, this is my favourite level and boss in the game. So this is the home of the Tinker Knight. Um, uh, what a fucking cool fucking dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely Tinker love this. Knight's one of my favourite bosses in any video game. Oh, big shout. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a cool... It's The level itself is amazing. It's made up of these, like, gears and cogs, isn't it? So this is somewhere between Castlevania's clock, Castlevania 3's Clock Tower... And Sonic 2's Metropolis Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of quite industrial. Um, a lot of go- you've lot got conveyor on. belts that go in different directions. You've got yeah, all sorts of crazy machines going on. But they do feel the name 
tinkernite is so perfect because none of these feel like designed inventions. They just feel like he's been tinkering with everything. <laughs> he's just fucking around, basically. Um, and there's like there's missiles that fly at you throughout the level as well, which are really hard to avoid. And like it's yeah, it's a great level, and it's I think it is probably it's up there for me with either my favorite or the second favorite. Um, so you when, get... you, when you get to the boss, this is one of the only. There's only him and the enchantress are the only two stage boss fights. Yeah, this surprised me actually because I thought he was a piece of piss to beat. And then it's so it's so clever. You you drop down into a dark room and there's just a light shining above a workbench, and Tinker Knights, who's this like tiny little dude wearing a welding mask and <laughs> an apron, and he's just like tinkering away at his his bench, and then just as he starts to fight you, the soundtrack kicks in. Shout out to Jake Kaufman for the soundtrack. Like you need to go look for the Tinker Knight. Um, it's called The Schema, the song is. Mm, it's brilliant. And it's just it's one of my favourite pieces of video game music. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the best one in the in the whole game. But, but he's like really hectic, and he just panics and runs back and forward, throwing spanners in the air, but he doesn't throw them at you. He just like, for, and if you hit him a couple of times, he then goes into like this, like berserk mode where he's just spewing spanners into the air and just <laughs> darting left and right. It's, yeah. it's actually just really funny. You can tell he's just not, he doesn't want to fight. He's just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh fuck. <laughs> just, just going wild, doesn't have a clue what to do. Brilliant. But when you beat right. him then, yeah, it's, it goes a bit mental, doesn't yeah, it? Well, you beat him, and then he comes out the floor with this enormous tracked tank with a big drill on the front that fires rockets at you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, all right. <laughs> you have to sort of climb up this drill uh, and then bounce on his head at the top of the machine. Well, you can you can also jump on the rockets as platforms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you stand on like the shoulder pad, which is like the missile launcher, and he shoots three bombs. And as he shoots the second one, you want to jump bounce off his head and land back on the shoulder pad and just repeat that cycle. Mm -hmm. And once you get the timing right, there's so much going on on the screen that when you first play it, you're like, oh God, how would I ever beat this? And even Lisa was watching me play and was like, Jesus, that's a bit hectic. But once you get into that one point, you've only got to jump from one point to another and back and nothing will hit you if you just get that timing right. Mm. Yeah. And he does sort of, as soon as you've hit him a certain number of times, it like it does, he sort of shoots forward, doesn't he? Well, he shoots forward and then he comes back firing loads of missiles so you really want to make sure you're you don't want to jump at that point you want to stay standing on him yeah yeah i think it's definitely one of the better designed bosses in the whole game um it just looks amazing um and it it's looks so really so intimidating so much character especially with the first stage as well yeah man. just this like like the craziness of the tinker knight really comes over mm, absolutely yeah i love this dude he's like straight up one of my favorite characters in all of the gaming <laughs> yeah he's, he's really yeah. cool really cool so moving swiftly on to the next couple of uh, levels that you come across so i'm going to cover these off um relatively quickly so we've got a uh, flying machine next um which is the home of the propeller knight who is an absolute bastard uh it, it's it's a she as well oh really okay okay well she is tough as nails because yeah so the flying machine, as you will imagine, has lots of chances to fall to your death. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's yeah, it's in the sky. You're on a big flying ship. It's it's again. It's kind of got some Mario three going on in Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely got that. It's got like the um, 
the cannonballs firing out at you, which are similar to the, the sort of projectiles, the rockets that come out in, in Mario. But you're right, though. Propeller Knight as a boss is, is tough because you get that. So Propeller Knight's all dressed in green, very tall, slender, and she's, she's a fencer. Yes. So she has this, like, fencing sword and a propeller hat. <laughs> which makes not like one of them little ones that kids wear to the baseball, like a like a legit propeller hat. <laughs> so, like, yeah, um, she um, she's really tough. She she has a few different attacks. Go on, Tom. Let's tell us what she's Well, uh, she drops all the bombs, and I can't avoid the bombs ever. Okay, so I found a way to do that. Um, okay. So you stand right at the corner of either side of the screen, and then you can mm. scoop the bombs with your shovel out of your way. So, okay, that's that's the way I eventually beat her. Um, so when as soon as she calls in, like the ship, doesn't she? Uh, I don't know if it's like yeah. a, another ship or something, but um, yeah, they drop a load of bombs on you, and then her attacks are like really hard to avoid as well because she well, sort she of... jumps forward like a fencing move, and it's really really fast. So you get that telegraph moment, and then what you need to do is jump up and do the shovel drop as you're jumping up. So you just clip her head as she jumps into you. Yeah. So the timing is like absolute crucial on this. Yeah, it's really hard. This is the hardest boss in the game, I think, outside of the final final boss. Yeah, agreed, agreed. When you do the, the, the order of no quarter, this is the the tough one. It's the one you want to come out first, basically. Um, and then finally, we've got the, uh, the stranded ship, which is home to the Polar Knight. Um, yeah, this is my least favourite level. So this is what you were talking about earlier with the ice. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the gameplay mechanics that you don't like in a game. Um, as a boss... He is relatively tough because he makes the so the floor is made up of ice, and he will hit the floor with his massive shovel like the one out of Home Alone Two. Um, the one that the one that Marv gets bashed with by, <laughs> yeah. by the scary guy from the church. Yeah, it's Home Alone One, isn't it? Um, and essentially, yeah, he'll make the the ice disappear, and the floor is then just spikes. So it's a bastard to avoid those. I really struggled some like a few times on this with that level. So um, he's relatively easy to beat once you, you know, you manage he's to. Basically a, he's basically like a Yeti, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a massive dude with a big shovel. So yeah, the tough thing about him is the floor. Um, so once you've got through that, that's when you open up the, uh, the Tower of Fate. And this is a multi-tiered uh, challenge. So as you say, the first part culminates in the, the Battle Royale. You have two levels. You've got Tower of Fate Entrance and Tower of Fate Ascent. Tower of Fate Entrance is quite a straightforward level with a few challenging bits. But yeah, you you drop in on the Order of No Quarter, eating their dinner, and then you do a Mega Man 1 style. Uh, let's fight all seven of them back to back. It's not quite as hard because you get a chicken after each one. But if you die, you do have to start them all again. Yeah, which I did a couple of times. Um it's yeah. I think we'll be talking about this, Tom. The the order is really crucial here in which they come out because like some well, of just them... for your mental well being, I think. <laughs> yeah, because if you if you get propeller night last, you don't want that because you you the the stakes are high. Then you're likely to fuck up. Exactly. You want to start with like propeller night and and a uh, spectre night, and then end on like. I guess you don't want to end on Polar Knight because the chance of one-hit deaths are pretty high. Mm. So, yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's really vital. And then also, do you save which ones are you saving health potions for? And... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's um, it's a tough battle. And I 
did wonder when I was first playing through this whether then you'd go straight onto the Enchantress like they do in you know Mega Man, where you're like, right, there's those eight bosses gone. Have them final boss. Yeah, that was ten, isn't it, or Mega Man? Because they chuck in the fucking Yellow Devil and the the one with just the weird blob. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully on this, they don't do that. Um, no, but you do at the end. They're all hanging off the tower, and you get the choice to save them or leave them. What did you do? Or what have you done? Um, I've done them both, and I've not noticed any difference. Okay, so I saved them. So nothing else happened. I've got to yeah. Yeah, yeah, too right. Uh, so, yeah, then you get to the Enchantress level. Now, this level's cool. It's really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So you drop in, and you immediately drop out of the sky, and the world around you is sort of starts crumbling away, doesn't it? So the blocks of the world start yeah. crumbling away and start throwing themselves at you. And once you've got through which that... Is a, which is a, a Legend of Zelda trait, oh, that is. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tile, tiles on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And it opens up a new section then, and then you basically have to get through uh, an area which you can't see the floor. So as you're walking along, the floor appears in front of you. And this this had major like Bowser's Castle vibes to me. This did, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's all uh, the screen is totally black. You can't see anything, and you have to make a few leaps of faith on this. Yeah, and the blocks will appear as you jump towards them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I died a few times. It puts you right back to the start of the level. There's no checkpoint in between these two areas, so I was like, oh god. Uh, but yeah, you you manage to eventually get through that, and then you meet the Enchantress herself. Um, so, what do you think of the final boss fight? Yeah, so I think it's going to remind me that the, the second stage is the one where she's got the balls and you were shield knight. Yeah, that's the first. What's how does the first stage go again? You're just uh... so you're on screen with her in her like <laughs> in her sort of throne room esque type place, uh, and she is sort of firing projectiles like you sweeping down at you. Um, the backdrop's all purple. Uh, it's pretty cool, um, but it's it's relatively easy to telegraph once you once you get the grips to grips with her. Okay, so yeah, this. this... I didn't find the first stage of the Enchantress overly difficult. It was no. the second stage, I think, is quite a lot harder. The first stage, the issues you have here is that she makes holes in the floor and you can fall through them. But then, yeah, she builds them back up again with the, the thing that rises up, with, like the flames that rise up. So you just got to time your jumps right and you can rebuild the floor underneath you. So once you figure that out, it's kind of like, yeah, straightforward enough. Yeah, but then you do get onto the second stage where Shield Knight's been released from the the grasps and will defend you. And this one, again, you just need to learn the patterns. Oh, this was solid, man. It took me a long time to get this. Because, you know, she you fires... You spinning, the spinning balls? Yeah, yeah. If you, just, if you just stand on the far left or far right platform, they don't hit you ever. Oh. <laughs> even, 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 if, even if she's really close to you, the balls are always timed to just go above your head. Well, shit. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) I only figured that out this time, and I was like, oh, it's quite easy, actually. I found Shield Knight to be a bit of a hindrance. Uh, It's like she jumps at a stupid time, and then I always miss her shield. Yeah, because you have to use Shield Knight, jumps up, and she makes a platform for you to bounce off to attack the boss. Yeah, so you have to land on the head. It is quite often not where and when you would want it. Exactly. So... It's it's a tough like I say it's it's not easy it's a tough boss battle but it's totally manageable. Well, she eventually makes some of the floor disappear as well, which makes it a little bit harder. Um, yeah, she comes down, but you can attack her when she comes down, and you can get three or four hits in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's doable, uh, but it just takes some 
some practice like all the bosses do so but this isn't like a mega man difficulty by it's not even 10 percent of that no thank fuck because i wouldn't want it to be that would just be torture mm. uh so yeah that's that's basically the stages those are the bosses and then at the end of all that you get the scene that you talked about earlier where you go back to the campfire you think uh shield knight sacrificed herself for you but she turns up and it's all like yeah cushy so overall all I, I enjoyed every single one of those levels um and i would happily go back and play every single one again um i'm sure i will again yeah yeah so let's talk about the reception that this game received tom um when it came out um how did it fare well so it, it fared excellently to put it to put it to put it succinctly i know uh let me just pull up so reception here if i just pull up so it received universal acclaim according to metacritic uh colin moriarty from my gym and he knows his 8-bit stuff he gave it a 9 out of 10 calling it arguably the best game released in 2014 um inferno called it a brilliant homage to a bygone era yet equally fresh captivating and innovative game so yeah, it's been consistently reviewed well, and that's for a Kickstarter game. Is you know you're not always going to get the quality that you want because mm. there's development troubles and, and this that and the other. Now, of course, the most important review over on HappyHourGaming.net. <laughs> yes, indeed. Says if imitation is the highest form of flattery, then Shovel Knight is a real charmer. Luckily for us, this is one of the best 8-bit style platformers since the NES and is a shining example of why the appeal of the genre is as strong today as it was 30 years ago. Whilst it borrows liberally from its clear inspiration, Shovel Knight feels respectfully derivative and injects more than enough of its own character and identity to stand alone as a fantastic start to a franchise. Yacht Club, Club Games may have picked and chosen the best elements of the genre, but the way that they have been woven together into a unique, thoughtful engrossing and most importantly fun experience is nothing short of masterful enter shovel knight the mascot of indie games and happy hour gaming awarded it a nine out of ten i think that's absolutely fair i will also talk about uh the the rating on this so it is the most fun out and out fun i've had in a game in a very long time um it's addictive to play you want to go back and play it you always find yourself wanting that shovel knight fix um, and I'm just in love with the characters in the world. Yeah, it's it's beautifully realised, isn't it? For something that's got such a silliness to it as well, like it, it's perfectly executed. It's won a lot of awards as well, hasn't it? This game. Um, yeah. So lot, yeah, and I think it deserves it fully. Um, one of the best action platformers of all time, I think. Uh, I would certainly put it up there. Uh, and I think I would give it on behalf of the People's Democratic Republic of Wales. This will get a shit scale rating of banging. I will second yours and give it a double banging. <laughs> Our first double banging. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, guys. That's concluded our review uh, of Shovel Knight. Hope you've enjoyed that. And um, come and check us out at happyhourgaming.net. Come and chat to us on Discord. And you can find the links to all of those uh, all of those things on the on the website itself. Join buy us. us a pint. Buy us a beer on Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check us out and uh, buy us a pint and suggest what we should play. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd, well, there's, uh, there's, there's Patreon tiers, the buy a round tier, which is a meagre £5 a month or, you know, for one month. You can select the game for us to play. Hell yeah. So, you know, hit us up on Discord and, uh, and let us know. 
what he wants and of to course think. if you are a patron starting from the pound a month tier you get the show a week early you get the happy hour gaming podcast the same time as everyone else because that's news related what else we get you get the six out of ten club a month early yeah and then for the pint tier which is three pound a month you're also getting the additional happy hour after hours podcast every single week there's a lot of benefits to doing it so uh, yeah join up come and chat to us and uh yeah tom i will see you again next time for another episode of that 8-bit shit show thank you very much buddy thank you buddy